Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. So on this episode, I want to talk to you about three mistakes that salespeople make and how you can avoid those mistakes. I think that as we contemplate and and recall back maybe to why we got into selling in the first place, at least for me, it was about making an impact in people's lives. And as a result of that, making money doing that. And when I realized that there was a direct correlation between certain activities that I would be engaged in and the amount of chances I had to impact people and therefore then the amount of money I could make, I got really clear on these disciplines. And as I began to lead others and coach others and, and talk to sales groups, around the world, I I began to recognize both through observation, through real world coaching, and even through psychological and uh, kind of um, character trait diagnosis and diagnostics that, that salespeople miss three things and they miss them fairly routinely. And for all the marbles in the world, I have no understanding why they miss these things because they're the most obvious things in the world. But these three mistakes are costing you a lot of money. The three mistakes that we that we we look at are are really systemic to how you build your business. And your results today are not a direct reflection of the decisions or the actions that you took today necessarily, right? It could be that today's results are a function of what you did or didn't do yesterday or a function of what you did or didn't do last week or a function of what you did or didn't do maybe a month ago or maybe a year ago. And what I find that most salespeople begin to experience is without knowing these three and without locking in on these three, they tend to have kind of these ups and downs in their business. So loan originators, real estate agents, you know, people that are are reliant on client interaction and engagement of that client, all are part of the audience that this message is designed for. So what are the three mistakes? What are the three mistakes that you make potentially, um, maybe even that you could improve in and that you're not making them all the time, but they are nevertheless mistakes? And how does the lion's share of salespeople then get on in the world if all they use continue to make these mistakes? So what are the mistakes? Mistake number one is the mistake in the area of acquisition. I'll talk about each of these as we come back to them. Mistake number two, which is costing you even more than the mistake oriented around acquisition, is follow-up. And mistake number three, which is costing you more than the mistake of follow-up or acquisition, is in retention. So let's talk about these three things. What is acquisition? Acquisition simply means that you have to be in the business of acquiring prospects to have conversation with to be able to determine whether or not you can meet, exceed their expectations, bring them into your fold as a customer, and give them a really optimized experience. I find that most people, when they start to acquire, that's also known as prospecting, do it when they're desperate, do it when they're new, do it when they don't have a pipeline. All right. So it's obvious if you're in the straight commission world that if you don't have a pipeline of prospects, you have to prospect. It's it's obvious that if you don't have people engaging and saying yes, that you need to talk to people to get them to a point where they can say yes. I remember uh, two things in my career as a loan officer that I found very, very helpful. One was a conversation that I had 
with Tom Hopkins about prospecting. And when I had started uh, the Duncan Group, he said, what you have to do is you have to make sure that you reach out to 10 mortgage companies and banks a day that don't know you. You've got to introduce yourself to those 10. You've got to do something that is a little bit disruptive to get their attention. And then, you know, somewhere a week later, you've got to follow up with those 10. And that day that you follow up with those 10, you have to find 10 more. And he said, what you're going to be inclined to do is, is at a certain point in time, you're going to let off the gas on that. And he said, that's the mistake that most people make. You don't let off the gas when you start to get traction. What you do is you continue to acquire, you continue to prospect, you continue to do the things that bring business in. Because when you get to a level where you have done that, then it's hard to go back to that lower level. And so for me, he said, I don't want you to stop prospecting or stop acquiring new clients until you have 40 contracts. And that would be one of the messages that I would send to you is that don't stop prospecting when you get the first two or three or four transactions. You've got to keep that up. You've got to keep the throttle down. You've got to keep filling the front end. There is a point in time in your sales career where the front end is filled in different ways. It's not filled as much now by your own energy. It's filled by the energy of your clients. And I'll get back to that in just a second. But acquisition is huge. The second story about acquisition comes from my friend uh, Zig Ziglar, who's uh, he passed away a couple years ago and uh, mentor in my life, personal friend. And one of his hallmark, hallmark quotes on success is prospecting is like taking a bath. If you don't do it every day, pretty soon you stink. So the thing that I would say about prospecting is you got to love it. You've got to be prepared for it. You've got to be oriented around what are the dialogues and the objections that you might get in acquisition. What are the things that you need to do that are different than most of the people that are in the same business you're in, in terms of leveling that skill up a little bit. And when you look at acquisition as a way of life and not a one-time event, then it leads naturally to the second mistake. And the second mistake is the mistake of not following up. And I know that I could probably just ask you if we were in a virtual world and I could see your hands to just put your hands up if you think that you could do a better job following up. And I bet you most of you, if not all of you, would put your hands up. And even as a business owner, I find that continually helping our salespeople realize the value of follow-up is probably one of the most important skills and, and, and gifts that I can give to my organization. See, the interesting thing is, is if we're gonna go out into the business and we're gonna acquire, we have a plan, we need to talk to two people a day or three people a day or four people a day, right? Well, the acquisition leverage is absent without follow-up. If I have follow-up, then I have leverage on my acquisition. And the more I follow up, the less competition I have because we already know that most people don't follow up consistently, routinely, and on a regular basis. So I remember interviewing uh, one of our top producers, his name is Jeremy, and uh, he had a, a particularly interesting philosophy around following up. And I asked him in an interview, I said, so, so how long do you follow up with a client that hasn't used you yet? And as a loan officer, he said, I follow up until they buy or they die. And it was a very interesting comment because his attitude towards follow-up was, it's never a matter of if, it is only a matter of when. And one of my hallmark character traits of successful people is they have that attitude. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. The when will be predicated upon the value of your follow-up, the consistency of your follow-up, and the caring attitude with which your follow-up allows you to connect instead of just send things or put them in routine auto marketing or things like that. So acquisition is important, it gets cash flow going. 
Follow-up is important. It makes cash flow happen exponentially more. And that follow-up should be routine. So what are maybe the days of the week that you follow up with certain, certain client um, titles? Maybe you have people that are in process. Uh, maybe you have people that are in contract. Maybe you have people that um, haven't even looked at homes yet. Maybe you have people that have asked you to call them in a year. Maybe there's people that have said, call me in two months. When I started the Duncan Group, I had people that said, call me in six months. We'll be thinking about our speaker next year. Then call us next week. We're just getting together with our group to figure out what we want to do in terms of training in the year to come. Um, you know, call me in a year. We're, we're taking care of right now. Um, I've even had some clients say, um, you don't need to follow up because we don't vendor base our training. And even in that case, I had a chance to work with this company and do some pretty critical things that, that allowed them ultimately to become a client of ours by adding value to them. But the acquisition has to be um, consistent, but the follow-up has to become part of the DNA of your organization. So is it a couple hours a day? Is it a couple days a week? What is the sequence time in which you and people on your team can administer an outward action that allows your follow-up to go up? Because here's what's in, or to become more effective and, and in fact go up. The reason why this is so critical is because if I don't have good follow-up, I gotta spend more time acquiring. And if I spend more time acquiring, I go backwards in my cash flow. If I've already got expense in an acquired customer, I have to convert at a higher level. I gotta go from a 15% conversion to a 16, a 16 to an 18, an 18 to a 22, 22 to 24, 25, and it's all based on my follow-up. So what are the routines and what are the ways in which you do that? What are the questions you ask that determine when you should follow up? And how do you engage people in a professional follow-up commitment so that they look at you and say, you're unique, you're different, right? Then we drop down from acquisition and follow-up to retention. You'll notice there's three dollar signs next to retention. Why? Because retention gives you a double whammy. First of all, retention is important because if you want a client for life, you have to engage with them and talk with them during their life. But in the business of loans or in the business of buying or selling homes, there are what are called repeat sales cycles. A repeat sales cycle for a home loan borrower might be every four or five years. A repeat sales cycle for a first-time home buyer might be three years from now. It could be that after they buy their first home, they want to buy a second home. That could be five years out. It could be that they're going to sell the home they just financed in five years and they're going to buy up. It could be that they just got married and they don't have a family, so they need a two-bedroom condo, but they're going to start their family in a couple years. And voila, they need a three-bedroom home, a four-bedroom home. The repeat sales cycles are missed often in our business. Sellers become buyers, buyers become sellers, borrowers become referrers in the marketplace. And this is the second reason why my retention has to be really strong. If I want to build my business and get to big bucks, what I got to understand is I want every one of these. I never, ever, 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 ever want to miss a repeat sales opportunity with a client that I've acquired, a client that I have followed up with, and served, a client with whom I want a long-term relationship, I want to set the stage, set the hook so that I literally become in the lending scenario, their lender for the rest of their life on anything they need financing assistance with. If I'm a real estate agent, I want to be involved with them for the rest of their home ownership life. Not just the first one, not just the second one, but maybe the third or fourth purchase. Some of those cases, they become investors. I want to help with that. I want to be their guy. I want to be 
their gal. When you put these two things into play and you start to realize the economic value of a retained client, the sky's not even the limit on how much business you can do. And so when we think about dollars growing through acquisition, follow-up, and retention, we think about big bucks. The most money is made right here. This right here is where you're going to make the most money possible because these sales are easier because they know, love, and trust you. These referrals are highly convertible because of this person knowing, loving, trusting you and having a relationship with the person they refer and that person wanting to take out some of the risk, take out some of the doubt and have social proof, if you will, somebody who they trust saying, you can trust my guy or my gal. So it's very interesting that these mistakes are fixed by a consistent action around these three things. And if you make the mistakes, you leave money on the table. Nobody in uh, the ecosystem of commissions wants to leave any money on the table. So my action plan for you is figure out what your business plan looks like. We talked about that in our episode called Moneyball. What does that plan look like? How many conversations do you need to have a day? What is your conversion rate? two deals that you do and what is your follow-up and how can that be tightened up? And then once you have a client that you serve and you serve them well, what is the retention plan? How often are you talking to them? What is your annual reach out? Are you scheduling um, events where you can video message them with a birthday message or an anniversary message? Are you doing the kinds of things that let them know you care about them, you're investing in them, and you're believing big time that they're going to become part of your ultimate ecosystem? Imagine 100 people here in this ecosystem that over their lifetime know 50 people. That's 5,000 potential people that you could have a conversation with about buying, selling, and borrowing. That's huge. This is the biggest thing missing on your pursuit of in your journey towards big bucks. We need to make sure every repeat, every referral, we need to work that ecosystem bigger than ever. And by the way, if I do that well, then I never have a problem with acquisition. If I ignore the people that have already trusted me and that I've already served, then I've got to go talk to people that I'm not referred to. That's a cold call. That is a recipe for disaster. Work this formula, work hard on this group right here, and you'll never have to worry about acquisition again. And by the way, you'll never have to worry about money again.